Hi, and welcome to this week's podcast, which is all on the topic of being persuasive. So, top 10 tips on being persuasive starting now. Uh, Tip number one, be very clear about what it is you want to say. Now, a lot of people think about this in terms of content, and I'd like to ask you to change that from here on. Don't think about content. Anything you say is going to contain content. What you really need to think about is message. What is the key message or messages you want to get across? So my first tip is don't think content, think messages. What is it you want to get across? I remember my dad when I was about 11 telling me that uh, essentially for him, communication was two things. And uh, I've never forgotten it. And his two things are, what do they want to know? And what do you want to tell them? Make sure your message fits one or both of those criteria. What do they want to know? What do you want to tell them? And there's something else that has occurred to me over the years that I think is quite important to think about when you're creating content or messages. And that is, what action do you want them to take at the end of your message? And what reaction do you want them to have? So action and reaction. So tip number one, think about what you want to say in terms of messages. What do you want to tell them? What do they want to know? And what action do you want them to take? What reaction do you want them to have? Tip number two, whenever you're being persuasive, it's crucial to focus on the benefits for the other person and not simply the features of your product. So if you're selling or persuading somebody to buy or buy into anything, then what really will attract them is what's in it for them. So what's in it for your customer or your target audience? Why should they be interested? Why should they be bothered? What need or want or desire or preference are you trying to get them to attach to? So for example, um, if you're trying to sell your house and it's got a large garden, that's a feature. You've no idea whether a potential purchaser will find that attractive or not. So in order to make it attractive, it has to have benefits for the person interested in the house. And really the best way of finding out whether it's a benefit or not is to ask them the question, do you like large gardens? Do you see that being something that would appeal to you? And so on. So everything really that belongs to the product or service that you're trying to persuade others to have is simply a feature. It's a characteristic. It's an element of what it is you're you're selling or being persuasive about. You've no idea until you talk to the person or if you have advanced information as to whether it's going to be a benefit or not. But what sells, what's persuasive is something being of benefit to them. And remember, Something may be very attractive to you, but not attractive at all to the person you're trying to persuade. So forget your own attachments and consider the attachments of your audience. What is it that interests and excites and persuades them? So think benefits, not features. That's tip number two. Tip number three is handling objections. Make sure you have a positive approach to any objection that the other person might make. Now that sounds a little bit counterintuitive because in my personal experience at the beginning of this 
journey was to be a bit anxious about objections and a bit depressed if somebody told me that they they had an objection or they weren't particularly interested in fact I've, I've gone 180 degrees now I think completely the opposite an objection is really gold dust if somebody raises an objection they're actually raising an unmet need so please see all objections as unmet needs if somebody said for example yeah it's a great idea but it's it's going to take too long then the unmet need is for it to be quicker if somebody said yeah it's great but I think it's going to be too complex then the unmet need is wanting it to be simpler and so there's a key point here in pretty much every situation when somebody raises an objection the solution is to find the opposite so in the examples I've just given something is going to take too long the opposite is speed it up if it's too complex then make it simpler if somebody says it's going to cost too much then the solution is make it a bit cheaper because if you can say using the examples I've just given so if I can make it quicker simpler and cheaper would that help it's really very difficult for the other person to say uh, no because you've just met their unmet needs so actually the key tip here is welcome objections but always find out specifically what the objection is about the worst objection you can have is somebody saying yep great idea it's just not for me you don't then know what the unmet need is it's unspecified so in response to something as vague or general as that probably the best thing to do is to say okay I understand can you tell me what it is precisely about the proposal or the idea that you don't like so seek out the specifics of the objection but remember tip number three see objections as useful because they tell you about the unmet need the thing that the audience most wants you to put right okay tip number four and this isn't less about the what now about the how how do you want to try and persuade somebody what's the best way of doing that because different people respond differently to different ways of having the information presented so we're really talking about the medium that you're going to use or the channel the way you're going to reach your audience and how in fact they best respond to what it is you have to offer so a couple of things there for example would somebody prefer to look at your proposal first in writing giving them a chance to think about it to reflect on it before having to come to a decision do they actually like dialogue do they like the idea of, of, of being persuaded through discussion through a bit of a debate a bit of a an argument in that in that sense of the word so different strokes for different folks different people respond differently to the way in which the information is provided and that leads on to tip number five which is use their currencies now if you were going say on holiday somewhere in the summer let's say to France or Germany or Spain what currency would you take the answer presumably is euros because that's the preferred currency of the host country and if you took pounds sterling and insisted in spending a fortnight using only that currency I don't think you'd get very far and people would think you're a bit odd to say the least well 
That's a metaphor story suggesting that all people have their own preferred currencies, their own way of trading in terms of dialogue and language and approach. So have a think about how people like the information provided. What's their preferred currency? For example, one of my preferred currencies is that I'm very visual. If you present something to me in a way that I can see it as a diagram or a model or a picture, I'm much more likely to pay attention and also to have an understanding of what it is you're trying to get across. If you simply use words and text, I can often get a bit tired or bored. So my preferred currency is a visual currency. Somebody else may not like visuals at all and much prefer to have a dialogue. So the idea here is to see if you can spot anybody else's preferred currency, the way they like information provided, and then to match it. Again, as a point I made much earlier, it's not your own currency that matters here. It's the currency of your intended audience. So tip number five, use your audience's currency. And tip number six, in presenting information of any kind, often people buy the presenter as much as the presentation. People like or don't like people and respond accordingly. I'm sure you've had this experience on the high street. You've been out shopping and you're more inclined to buy something if the salesperson is pleasant and attractive and helpful. And you're less inclined to buy the product if that person providing or presenting that product is disinterested or bored or not particularly appealing and welcoming. So remember people buy you as the presenter of the idea perhaps as much as they buy the product or service you're trying to persuade them to accept. So remember tip number six, you matter as part of the presentation. Tip number seven, be fluent and passionate. Talk with conviction. People buy passion. People buy commitment. People buy energy. So think of the opposite. If you present to somebody and your voice is flat and monotonous and you don't seem interested and you seem to be presenting something, a case or a, a proposal, that you personally don't seem that invested in, then they're going to spot that. They'll see that you lack conviction, that you lack knowledge, that you lack, you lack the real understanding that goes with being personally committed. There's something else that follows from this as well, in my experience anyway. If you are passionate about something and you really care and you want the other person to care too, it almost certainly increases your fluency. People tend to be very fluent and articulate when they're passionate and they have conviction. They are less so, in my experience, when they're being asked to present or propose something that they themselves aren't sure about or don't have any conviction towards. So the more conviction and passion you have, the more likely you are to speak fluently and persuasively. So tip number seven, be fluent by being passionate and having conviction. And tip number eight, this is about actually the structure of your persuasive approach. Rather than thinking of a one-stop shop where you 
present the information for the first and only time to your potential audience, think of making it down into two sessions. It might be helpful to run one session or a meeting or to outline your proposal and give them time to think and also time and opportunity to object. Take away their objections, their responses, and then come back again with a second version of the proposal that addresses their objections. It gives both of you time to think. It gives time for the other person to think through what you're proposing and give it due consideration. And, of course, it gives you time to think about how you want to respond to any objections they've raised. If you just try and do a one-stop shop and sell a pitch or a proposal in the one meeting, then it doesn't really give the other person any time to think, which they may feel is therefore pressure selling. And, of course, it means that if they raise objections in that meeting, you're going to have to think on your feet and deal with them there and then. So, if you can manage it, see if you can give your proposal two slots. One just to present your proposal, and the second one to try and nail it once you've responded to their objections. And tip number nine. Use powerful and persuasive language. This is something we've covered in an earlier podcast, The Power of Positive Language, so I'm not going to reiterate it here, just to remind you that the way in which you talk, the pace, the tempo, and particularly the vocabulary, the power of words, alliteration, onomatopoeia, all of these techniques can really add value and persuasion to what you're trying to get across. So tip number nine, use powerful language. And final tip, tip number 10, whose idea is this anyway? I think it's pretty obvious that the most persuasive approach is one that builds on something your audience has already suggested. So quite useful to have a conversation with someone to find out not only what product or service they want, but what particular attribute of that service is important what characteristic or feature is of particular benefit or attraction to them. So it's quite useful to start any conversation generally talking around services or products that the other person might be interested in so that you can get a fix of what's already in their mind. Because if you present back to them the idea that's already occurred to them, then you're much more likely to have a successful sell. So there they are my top 10 tips for being persuasive. Just to recap, tip number one, focus on message rather than content. Tip number two, identify benefits rather than features. Tip number three, see objections as unmet needs. Tip number four, consider ways in which you're going to be persuasive, how you're going to get your message across. Tip number five, identify then use their preferred currencies. Tip number six, make sure that you are part of the sale or persuasion. People buy people. Tip number seven, be fluent and passionate. Talk with conviction. It always aids fluency. Tip number eight, 
can you make it two sessions? Present the information and then come back by closing off the objections and solidifying the pitch. Tip number nine, use powerful language. And tip number 10, whose idea is it anyway? See if you can make it something that originated with them in the first place. Then you'll have a much easier persuasive opportunity. So that's it. Those are my top 10 tips for being persuasive. If you're interested in the topics I'm covering in these podcasts, please remember that I run a monthly workshop on management skills in Salford. Details are on my website, www.etduk.co.uk, or just email me if you'd like further information. The first of my workshops for this year is running on the 27th of January, and it's on managing difficult conversations. So just email me at arnieskelton at etduk.co.uk. And thanks for listening.